Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We have a a message, a mission statement, I should say. Uh, We're about creating environments for intimacy with Christ relationship with others and influence in our world. That's who we are at Elevation. It's all about Christ, meeting Him and knowing Him. It's all about relationships, going deeper and real, authentic, honest relationships with each other and finally influence in our world. And this series is sort of about influencing. How can we influence our worlds? And today I wanna talk about we are called to reach the lost. We cannot hide from that. We can't run from that. Uh, it's, it's just something we can't shake as followers of Christ that we are called to reach the lost. Let's pray. Father, would You speak to us through Your Word today? Would You challenge us to hear Your heart, to let the things that matter to You matter to us? Um, we surrender our, our own opinions and ideas to, to the Holy Scriptures that You would guide us and teach us today in Jesus' Name. Everybody said Luke 15, a beautiful chapter um, of the Bible that talks about three parables, the lost sheep. Don't he, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after one lost sheep until he finds it? The parable of the lost sheep. You and me are the lost sheep that Jesus went after. He went to the cross to find us. Praise the Lord. Uh, The lost coin, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? You and I are the lost coin. Jesus searched and seeked you out. Some of you were a bit harder to find than others. Some of you were better at running and 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 hiding and uh, and and a little more stubborn and a little more. But God was relentless in His love for you and His seeking and searching. Some uh, got saved when they were younger, uh, but some sort of uh, fought a bit harder and took a bit longer. But Jesus was relentless in His love and His seeking you out. The lost son. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Outwardly, the son who remained at home appeared to be right with his dad, but inwardly he was far from right. You can be in church and still lost. And the parable of the lost son is not about the one that ran away and came home. It's also about the one that stayed, yet his heart was far from where it should have been. Um, We can be in church and be far from Christ. And so it's important that we understand the heart of God is to seek the lost. And we may be in church today and lost because it's a heart issue. It's not a physical location issue. So today we look at these three parables. There's this common theme uh, that you can see through all of them. And that is the love of God for His people. The, the love of God for the lost. The love of God for those that are far from Him. It's all through Scripture. It's really the, the story of the Bible 
that even when people turn their back, do horrible things, God never stops loving, never stops seeking, never stops pursuing. And we can all say praise God because of that heart, because of that love. Most of us would find ourselves following Christ and saved today. We were, were found because of His heart. So we're going to teach today through God's Word a little bit more on the parable of the sheep. Luke 15, we'll pick up the story in verse 1. And the first point is this, Jesus loves the lost. Jesus loves the lost. Now the tax collectors and sinners are all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers and the laws muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Well, why was this so shocking? Why was this such a big issue to the religious leaders of the day? Um, why were they so upset? Well, the Old Testament, even associating with sinful people could make you sinful. In fact, the Jewish people had laws that would prevent them from intermarrying, mixing with what they called unclean people because they wanted to stay pure in their pursuit of Christ. And in fact, religious leaders, um, they decided to live as much as possible in complete separation from sinners, where they wouldn't mix, they wouldn't talk. If they knew someone, they'd walk the other way. They would cross the road to get away from uh, someone who was lost or certainly someone who was from a, another um, background, uh, like a Samaritan. And, and these religious leaders, um, they, they became so isolated, so separated in, in, in what they thought was their pursuit of God that Jesus addresses this issue in Luke 15. And it's kind of ridiculous to think that some rabbis would even refuse to teach God's Word to sinners. Uh, they, 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 they refuse to be with sinners. The truth is we're all sinners, so they're no better, nor are we. And I don't know how or why sometimes we can find ourselves falling into the footsteps of the Pharisees where we think we're better or we know more because we're saved and we can even mock or look down or have some disdain um, towards sinners. But that's not what Christ does. So many of these religious leaders, they misunderstood the, test, the, the Scriptures in the Old Testament. For example, David wrote um, this beautiful psalm when he was being attacked by Saul. We can find it in Psalm 26 verse 4. And David writes these words. He says, I don't sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. So you might read this verse and you could wrongly conclude that David never held any bad company. That he never uh, was exposed or hung out or did life with anybody, um, you know, who, who, who was perfect. But this actually couldn't be further from the truth. If, if you look at, at the verse in context, this is describing David's unwavering commitment to follow his God. You see, David's life was full of hanging out with the people on the wrong side of town. Uh, he was rejected by Saul from the temple and he was on the run. And he ended up having this bag of ragamuffins who were in uh, debt. Uh, they were in distress. Um, they were disillusioned. And, and they were a pretty wild bunch and they became his band of brothers. In fact, David for a season was working for the Philistines. 
um, and, and living in their land and, and uh, uh, sort of conscripted by them um, to, to uh, be mercenaries. And so we see that David's life was full uh, of working with people who were not the best, uh, should we say. And, and so often we can understand that we can't fall into the trap of the Pharisees or the religious leaders. That, that like David, um, we can have close friends that don't know Christ. It's not that suddenly we're going to lose our faith. It's, it's not that you can know people who party hard and you can love them. You, you can associate with sinners. But the point is just don't let them take your heart from God. And so we're called to love the lost and to step into their worlds and to love on them and to influence them for God. Just don't let them influence you away from God. But just because there's a risk of, of uh, you know, someone influencing you uh, in the ways of the world doesn't mean you shouldn't love them or reach out to them. Be like this morning, just like there's a rich risk that the fire alarm might go off, and we might get kicked out into the grass. If you were with us earlier this morning, the fire alarm, we had to evacuate. Just because there's a risk doesn't mean we don't come to church. We be wise. We take precaution. We get Rowan on Monday to sort out why the fire alarm went off so it doesn't happen again. But just because there is a danger doesn't mean we walk away from the mandate of who God is and what we're called to do. And that's to influence the world for Jesus Christ. But these Pharisees, they got so wrapped up in the rules, they lost their heart of God. The Pharisees had a disdain for sinners. But not only did Jesus eat with the sinners, He called them to be His disciples. In fact, a tax collector, which was even worse than a sinner, Matthew, became a disciple. So Rome would auction off collections collecting taxes in a town to the Jewish people. And the wealthy Jewish people would put a bid to the Roman government to pay the price to receive the taxes. And they would do that in advance. And once you won the contract and you paid the money up front to the Roman government, you then could get whatever taxes you wanted, even if it was above the amount that you bidded. So these tax collectors got a terrible rap because they were taking advantage of their own people. They were actually getting more taxes than the Roman Empire wanted or needed, and they pocketed it for themselves. Yet that's who Jesus called to walk with Him, to be with Him, and to be His disciple. At verse 31, Jesus answered them as they were scoffing and ridiculing and upset about this. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but who? But sinners to repentance. That's our mandate as a church. We can't shift from the fact that we're called to reach the lost. It, it's the heart of God. We can certainly grow in our discipleship and grow in our ministries and grow to become more like Christ, but we can't separate the love for the lost. Um, that's why at Elevation, our Sunday services, they're not just for the churched, they're actually shaped and created for the unchurched because we want both to be welcomed into our gathering of people. We don't just focus on church people. We actually try to bring a, a service on a Sunday where you can bring your friends who are unchurched. 
where they feel loved and accepted, that they can walk into a place that they are uh, welcomed, uh, they can understand what's being said. Uh, the Scripture that Jesus spoke was certainly uh, for the churched and the unchurched. And for Bonnie and I, we just have a passion for the lost. And, and it sort of came from an early age when I started going to church at 15 and I didn't know any Christians, so I just brought all my mates and we loaded up the front two rows from school. They just all came, filled up the front two rows, probably 30 of us. And we were all just hanging out and someone had some hubba bubba. Remember the hubba bubba? Do they still sell hubba bubba? They still do? Still going strong? So hubba bubba, we, we would pass it along and you can't help but blow a bubble, right? If you've got hubba bubba. And so we, we passed it around and we're all chewing gum and sort of a few minutes into the preach, the pastor stopped. And look, my friends didn't know you can't have chewing gum in church and blow bubbles, just blowing bubbles and listening. and what It was just different. I had only just sort of started going to a church. And he stopped and he said, those young people on the front row who are chewing chewing gum, you need to spit that chewing gum out or you can leave. I, I just, I was heartbroken because they left. And I had a chance. They never came back. I said, God, if I ever get involved in a church, I will make an effort that everyone is welcome. That I won't kick them out because they don't look right or don't speak right or blow bubbles. So you can blow bubbles. You can have your, your bubble gum. And, and for Bonnie, Bonnie, my, my, my wife loves a lot. She'll, she'll talk to waiters and, and, and just people and, and share her faith. And that, that's the heart of who God is. And that will be the heart of who we are. Jesus loves the lost, number one. Number two, our second thought is Jesus seeks the lost. So as a church, we've got to have a love for the lost. But number two, we have to actually seek the lost. So Jesus told this parable, He says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? You may have heard this story before, but this is still very challenging to understand logically, this concept. Because it goes against every belief that a shepherd would have. You would never put at risk the 99 for one. It's the same way that, you know, a business would never put at risk one employee for the entire uh, uh, business. Or, or you would never uh, invest 1% of your superannuation with the potential of losing your entire superannuation. It'd be like me saying, okay, Bonnie and I, we, we know of this family and we're, we're tracking them down. They, they've gone to Darwin. And so, look, we're going to move to Darwin to pursue them. See you in 12 months. That's what it would be like. Good luck. Hope you don't kill each other. Hope the generator works next week. Keep taking care of the church in Ukraine. We'll see you in 12 months. It's unheard of that you would walk away from the responsibilities 
It'd be like we've got five kids and we've had one who's been a bit more of a challenge than the others and we were putting the rules down. He was 17 and under our rules, we're going to have these rules and under our roof, you're going to follow the rules and Bonnie's, you tell him and I'm telling him boldly, that's right. You know, you're going to clean your room and pick up your towel and you're going to, these are the rules and we're, and, and yeah, and he said, okay, well, I'll, I don't like your rules, I'm, I'm off. So he got some Cocoa Pops, put them in his back pack and left and then Bonnie's like and I'm like yeah I told him you know man of the house you know and then Bonnie starts bawling go after him go get him go, go get him I just told him that the rules and that roof and now I gotta go and it's a, I'm driving around to the bus station looking for him it'd been like I go after him and then I leave the four that are behind it's, it's hard for us to fathom um, uh, the concept of leaving the 99. And the shepherds of the day, they were not the most reputable profession. They would steal people's sheep. Uh, they would never put themselves in personal danger. And this is the parable that Jesus is trying to shake the religious leaders. In fact, in John 10, Jesus addresses the, the, the uh, shepherds when he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. I mean, talk about how far Jesus would go to reach the lost. He, he laid down his life for the sheep. Uh, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. I praise God we have a good shepherd who stands by our side. And when the wolf and the enemy comes, he's standing right with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He, he's got our back. And that's who we need to be for the lost. And I think that challenges me honestly, because most of my time is pouring into the 99. But I believe God is challenging me in this message, in this series, that I need to invest time and effort because uh, it will cost you um, when you seek the lost. It'll cost you reputation, time, effort, coffee. And it's difficult. It's not easy. You put yourself in harm's way. There might be wolves. It might be a, a long distance because a sheep will never find their way back. They're hopelessly lost. And Jesus, uh, Jesus doesn't run from lost people. He runs to lost people. And I believe that's what we should do. I mean, you think about it. Most of us are here because someone reached out to us. Someone invited us to church. Someone went out of their way to pray for us. Someone took the time. Uh, someone was annoying and kept asking us, <laughs> badgering us. Someone in our life, in, in our conversion state, probably uh, pursued us. Um, they, they, they seeked us out. And, and at Elevation, we want to go out of our way for the lost. We want to go out of our way for the lost. My mate Craig Rochelle says it this way, we'll do anything short of sin to reach the lost. And I like that. The lost need to be on our minds. Uh, they need to be part of the fabric of our life, that we're doing life with them. We're reaching out to them and, and we're, we're going after them. To leave the 99, that, that, that's a long time. And some of you, uh, Jesus had to seek you for a long time. Uh, he, he had to, decades. Um, how much more should we pursue those in our life who are lost? Uh, number one, we're, we're called um, to, to love the lost. We're called to, to seek the lost. And I think one of the best ways you can seek the lost is invite them to church. I love our church. 
I love the people in our church. I love that we care and friendly and uh, loving. And uh, you put people in this environment uh, that they're going to melt. You put them in the presence of God, their heart's going to be opened. And I I just encourage you to, to revamp that inviting culture in our church. And you might say, Miles, I've asked them and they've said, no, ask again. Jesus sought them out. Someone sought you out. Keep asking. Don't quit. I mean, don't be annoying about it, but, you know, be wise and caring and loving. And there's some great ways you can do that. But make sure that we are here and we're called to reach the lost. And finally, Jesus rejoices with the lost. Verse 7. And when he finds them, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and he goes home and calls his friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me. I've found the sheep. Look, if I had to chase a sheep through snow and cold and danger and darkness, I'm not too happy about it. I'm, I'm going to be mad at the sheep. I'll probably be mad at the trouble, the heartache. You know, when my kids do something wrong, I'm not rejoicing. I'm cranky. You know, I'm, I'm going to put them in time out. I'm going to take their phone off them. I'm banning them from TikTok, baby. You are not getting that thing again. That screen is done. I'm throwing it out. Yet Jesus rejoices. Just think about that concept. He's not mad at the lost sheep. He's not frustrated that it took time and effort to pursue Him. He's not cranky that the lost sheep was stubborn and went its own way, that He put Himself in danger. He's not not mad that the lost sheep didn't follow the instruction. He's joyful. Jesus gave His life, in fact. So it's interesting that we should be joyful and, and we shouldn't be mad or upset if people blow it or do something wrong, that we should be joyful and thankful That's why at every service, at every elevation, we give an opportunity for people to come to Christ. And when a hand goes up, we cheer. We celebrate because all of heaven is celebrating. They've just been ripped out of hell and they're destined for heaven. That's the Gospel. That's worth celebrating. Yet so often we can get a bit mad that people aren't doing it right. But uh, Jesus didn't beat down the lost, He lifted them up. In fact, He was beaten down so we could be lifted up. Verse 7, I tell you that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous people who don't, don't repent. So when someone comes to Christ and the hand goes up, there's more joy over that one person than all the rest of us put together in that moment. At elevation, when one person returns to Christ or comes to Christ, we celebrate. We, 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 we go crazy. That, that's, that's the KPI, the measuring point of, of, the, of the Great Commission to see people come to Christ. I'll finish with this story. We got this big scooter. It's a $1,500 electric scooter and it was out the front of our house. And some raggedy kid from the neighbourhood, uh, it's like came in from Blacktown. Cheers, <laughs> those. I shouldn't say that. That's that's so wrong. That's so wrong. And uh, they stole they stole our scooter. And my boy said, "Hey, your scooter's been stolen." I'm like, "What?" 
And all I had on was a pair of board shorts and no shoes, no, no shirt. So I ran outside and I kind of saw it in my eye going up the road. So I jump in the Prius and it takes like 30 seconds to start the Prius because the electric going to press it. And then I floored it. Not much happens when you floor the electric Prius. And I'm flying around on two wheels trying to catch this kid who stole our scooter. And, and Bonnie's following in a little bit later in another car. Well, I see him coming the other way on the road. So I, so I turn and dart to try and lock him in and, and block in. You know, I've watched a few too many cop shows and fly sideways, but the Prius won't do a slide. Anyway, we stopped. He took off running. So I should have been thankful that I got the scooter back. Oh no, I wanted justice. I want to get that kid, man. So this was about a couple of years ago. So it's not that long ago. So I'm off, I'm running. And I'm in my mind thinking I'm faster than I actually am. And I think I'm fitter than I So I'm running, just a shirt on. I'm running for this kid. I'm going to get this kid. Well, he's going through neighbourhoods and into, into front yards and over fences. And this is a full-on cop show. And I'm running. I'm chasing. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm out of breath and I'm dying. But I'm, I'm committed to get this kid because it's wrong what he did. And so finally, he was sort of walking out, running uh, flat out. And, and, and I started falling over. My feet weren't working. They all went to jelly. And... I yelled out, grab that kid. And so someone kind of grabbed him and I, I got him. I got him. Now what do I do? <laughs> now what do I do? I finally got this kid. Now I do, what, what do I do? All that anger, that frustration subsided. I'm like, what, what do I do? And I said, mate, I'm going to call the cops. And he teared up. He says, if you call the cops, uh, my dad who's separated from my mom, he'll beat me. And, and he started to open. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, okay, I'm not calling the cops. So what, what do I do? And the only thing I could think of was, well, I won't call the cops if you come to youth. <laughs> so that moment of anger and frustration turned into a, a moment of grace and love. And I feel so often we can be like that 50-year-old ugly male running down the street chasing some lost kid <laughs> when really we should be in their corner helping and serving and loving the lost and seeing how we can help them. They're often a product of their upbringing. They don't know any better. And people who are sinners, they don't know any better. We can't judge them with the same rules we judge ourselves. They haven't submitted to Christ and His Lordship. So who are we to point our finger and judge? And let's be a church that loves the lost. Let's be a church that seeks the lost. Let's be a church that rejoices with the lost. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we would be a church that would represent your gospel and the heart of God, and that is to love the lost. I pray even today, right now, would you convict us? Would you challenge us?